0: the information discussed in this episode is intended as general information only. It is not intended for one-on-one medical advice, and you should always consult your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. And if you like the content discussed in this episode, please go leave a review so that others can benefit from it as well. I am a woman on a mission that is dedicated to teaching you just how powerful your body was built to be. I like to do that by bringing you the latest science, the greatest thought leaders, and applicable steps that help you tap into your own internal healing power. The purpose of this podcast is to give you the power back and help you believe in yourself again. My name is Dr. Mindy Pels, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Okay, Resetters, so we are gonna take a different twist and actually move away from the science a little bit for this interview, but it is going to rock your brain. It like literally, I know I say this often, but please get a notebook because you're gonna wanna write down what you learn in this podcast, don't you think, Jess? Absolutely, it's, it's kind of science, it's like neuroscience. It was, it had a lot of neuroscience and and like, like she said, it had a very similar approach to how Joe Dispenza looks at manifesting miracles. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Lana Schlafer and let me just read you a little bit of her bio. And then I want to tell you something, a couple of really intriguing things about her that, so you're going to, as you go into this interview, you'll understand the background that this woman came from. But she's a mindset coach, a law of attraction expert. She's the author of a best-selling book called Manifest That Miracle. And for the last decade, she's been empowering thousands of people and teaching them. Now, I'm going to say a formula, but she said, oh, it's not really a formula. But it sounds like formula to me on how you can start to manifest miracles in your life. So she's had over 20,000 people participate in her manifesting challenges and she was featured on Forbes magazine and on NPR. She has a bachelor's degree from UC Berkeley. So she is a smart cookie and has an incredible story of how she came to this place where she is teaching people how to truly manifest miracles. Part of her background that's so intriguing to me is she spent 12 years in Siberia. She grew up in Siberia. And you think that part was interesting? It's crazy. Her story on her perspective of what her parents
1: went through as a child has a very interesting turn into how she's now created a life for herself.
0: Yeah. I don't and want then, to give it away, but yeah. Right. I don't want to give it away either. But the other thing that I think you guys will resonate with is that she did so many things in her early adult years that would appear to be successful. And we look at that, you know, uh, uh, we are so in admiration of how people who have success, we want to be like them. We want to, we want their lives. We want to know what they did. And here she was, this incredible investment banker making a ton of money and she was miserable. And she had the, the courage to say, this is not okay for me. And made a huge leap into a whole nother lifestyle. So if you're in that place where you're somewhere where you just don't feel like you're on your best path, she has got some solutions for you, don't you think? Yeah. And I feel like, if, or if you're at a place in your life
1: where you're not, you don't feel joy or happiness or you're, I feel like you're just walking through life, like yeah. not thriving, whether it's in your health or your job or your relationships, I think she has a great way of showing you how you can embrace that and you don't have to continue following that path.
0: Yeah, and you guys, if you follow me on YouTube, you know that often I just say you're living in a miracle your body's a miracle and what lana would say is life is a miracle yeah. and you're living in a universe that wants to continually show you miracles that show up so it's a beautiful marriage of our two messages and yeah i'm just over the moon to share this with you and please reach out let us know what you think of it because i'm pretty sure this one's going to rock your world and you're going to your life will be different after it so enjoy our interview with lana it was an incredible experience The funny thing is, when I prepared for this interview, the first thing that popped into my question was like, I wonder how she got into the miracle business. Like, you know, it's not like people just sign up and say like, okay, I'm going to start manifesting miracles for people. So I went and I did some research on you because I like to stalk people. And I found some very interesting things about you, right? I know. Well, now I'm excited to hear what you found. I know. (laughs) So before we jump into miracles, which I know my Resetter community is just going to love, let's talk a little bit about your background, because how you came to helping people manifest miracles is is a miracle unto itself. So let's start with this. You were born in Siberia. Yep. And until what age?
2: Yeah, so it's a pretty big town. I always feel like I have to qualify it because I was not like in a village where there were like prisoners or whatever people think about though. There were prisons in Siberia back in the day. I was in a pretty big city, about 800,000 people with like lots of universities, which was what our city was known for. So I was born there and My mom came from Kazakhstan, which is now a separate country, but used to be part of the USSR. And my parents met because my dad, while he was getting his PhD in math, was also studying and teaching Esperanto, which is an international language. So long story about international languages, but they met, fell in love. I was born and I grew up there until I was 12. And Esperanto played a huge role in how we got to the U.S., by the way, one of the things that's one of the miracles that I didn't realize was a miracle about me until way later is that there are only maybe about 30 to 40, maybe 50 people in all of the world that have Esperanto be their native language. I spoke it from first, along with Russian. What? Because it is an artificial language. Somebody created this language. The biggest analogy you could give is probably Klingon, though. That is not a language that has taken off and has become <laughs> naturalized. I've been in a bunch of like Esperanto documentaries and stuff. It's, it's actually a whole other part of my, oh my life. That so I... you're, so you're, you're a Klingon? Is that what you said? No, <laughs> I am not. I am Esperantan, which the, the root of the word Esperanto is one who hopes. So it was really a oh. language for transcending boundaries and for people to have ease of communication across borders back in the day when communication was so challenging. So we came to the U.S. because my parents knew somebody in the U.S., from their Esperanto days who had uh, moved here, and we had to be sponsored by somebody. So my dad effectively won a green card, which is one of the miracles I talk about in my book, that my dad doesn't call it a miracle. He calls it luck, or he's like, this just worked out for us among the many things that didn't work out in my parents' eyes. But this one did, that we effectively won a green card. By being Jewish, my dad had his PhD. So there was kind of a brain drain happening in the early 90s. And we won this green card and I landed in San Francisco. I'm 12 years old. I speak no English and I have to start a new life.
0: Oh my God. So I did not know that about you at all. That's amazing. And I'm wondering if your dad landed that miracle, maybe there is a gene that programs you to be able to manifest miracles. My dad also manifested a lot of un-miracles in oh, okay. my mom.
2: So no, it is not a gene. But if you want to think of it in those terms, since you and I like to find commonalities in our language, just like genes, you can turn something off and on depending yep. on your environment. It is not just nature. Nurture plays a huge part in activating nature. So yes, I do believe we all have a gene in being able to deliberately create what we truly want in our lives. And I help people teach how to activate it. I help oh people gosh. activate it so that they can use
0: this gene, which we all have, which most people just let lay dormant. I think that your next book should be the epigenetics of the miracle gene.
2: Ooh, <laughs> That with you. (laughs)
0: Let's do it. I love it. I love it because you're right. We're turning genes on and off all the time with health. So I absolutely love
2: it. It's the same thing in mindset. So beliefs are kind of like genes that are getting activated or deactivated. It's actually not true to say that you can deactivate a gene. So you can only activate another gene that then becomes front and center. You can't actually get rid of something, right? Energy cannot be created nor destroyed. You can't undo something that has happened, but you can do something way better that creates a new normal, a new environment, a new paradigm.
0: I love that. I love that. So, okay. Then fast forward to your college years. You went to Berkeley and what'd you get your degree in? Political economy of industrialized societies. (laughs) There's not a (laughs) lot of miracles in
2: that. Were you, what, what? So so I was math. I was computer science, like kind of following my dad's footsteps. And I was very good at those. And then it was just not what my heart was calling me to. So I ended up I wanted to major in psychology, but my parents just thought, that's not a real degree. Like, what is that going to get you? You know, like a lot of people. Yeah. And to some degree, they're right. You know, I do feel like getting your logical thinking and some hard science underneath it was good. So I kind of compromised and went into econ. So economics was a great way to look at the world. And I studied Russia because... There were so many changes that happened in 20th century in Russia. And I really just wanted to understand that like my grandparents who went through World War II, my parents that went through all of the things they went through and all the anti-Semitism and all the economic changes, Russia saw the biggest inflation up until that point in history or something like that. So I was really interested in understanding how things work. And I feel like that's what I've kept doing, just not in relation to markets and economics, but in relation to people i like understanding how people work and finding patterns all of us are we want to think we're complicated but really we follow some simple patterns and i'm sure you I've teach this as well right <laughs> yeah and but so I've heard what... with behavior
0: it's the same thing i mean we look 100%. at it from the inside but with behavior i've heard that 100%. I mean, we really have
2: so few basic needs. I mean, Maslow's hierarchy, we have obviously the need for shelter and physical safety, right? We have enough to eat, we're warm, we have our loved ones around us, so we're not at war or, or famine. But after that, really, it becomes the self-realization. It becomes a feeling of being understood, being loved, being free, because we are naturally wanting to create and move with our impulses and inspiration. I feel like the manifesting part has been really important for me to own, because for so many generations in my ancestry, this was not an option. Uh, My grandparents just had to survive. And I... I'm really the first generation. You know, I got here. I, I followed the immigrant like dream. I worked really hard. I went to Berkeley. I had all these challenges. I had an eating disorder all through college, but I made it through. I graduated. I got like five job offers out of college in investment banking. I ended up working in investment banking, getting promoted, more money, more travel, and I was more miserable than I'd ever been. And that was really a turning point because I realized the dreams that my parents had, or maybe my grandparents had, are not mine. Mm -hmm. I have a whole new set of possibilities that did not exist for my parents, for example. They had to keep surviving and keep creating security and doing whatever they had to do. I had the luxury, truly, a lot of us have the luxury of being able to make a lot of choices that are not accessible to most people in the world. We can stay on our phone, you know, we can stay on our phone and look at social media and go down that comparisonitis and feel bad about ourselves and read news that, you know, are kind of like junk food that we're taking in. Or we have the choice to actually direct our attention elsewhere. You can be watching videos, doing courses, trainings, like the kind of trainings that I run with the same time. My parents didn't have any of that time to dedicate to either. Mm. So it is a gift. It is a blessing to even be at this level of, choice or problem. I'll, I always say a yeah, new level, new revel instead of devil. I don't really like devils. New revelation. like You have new sets of problems, new sets of opportunities. And so I feel like I'm really living the answer to my ancestors' prayers. And that's one of the things that really drives me to create an optimal life. I feel like that same kind of survival instinct is still very strong in me. I can't I bet. really yeah. take it out,
0: but well, now I'm using it to really create a truly epic life, yeah, uh, but I feel like we need a mic drop. That was good. That was really good. Like I, I want people because one of the things that I have seen in working with so many people is that the ones that are the most grateful are the ones that came from pretty tough backgrounds. And you know, if you look at like the science of genetics, they can show that that people who come through the lineage or through the line of relatives that were in the Holocaust, that they still have feelings of anxiety and they still, and they're like grandchildren and great-grandchildren are still expressing some of the genetic changes that happened from generations before. And we know in toxins that can happen, but that's what that sounds like to me raw material just like in your body
2: biologically physiologically excitement and fear are pretty much the same response if you just look at a human in a bunch of you know biofeedback machines you will see some responses elevated heart rate you know sweat glands cortisol all these things happening whether it's fear or whether it's excitement. Same thing with anxiety versus ambition, for example, or drive. And so a lot of what we're talking about, the work that I do, is helping people turn on those genes in a way that is serving them, right? Instead of eating them alive, essentially. Because yes, I do think a lot of it gets passed down. But again, we always have the choice. We really have so much free will that we could keep ourselves
0: imprisoned. Yep. We can yep. also use so that free true. will to move in any direction that we want. Oh, I love it. So, okay, so you're in investment banking and I read a really interesting quote from your website that I'm going to have to quote because I love to swear and you actually swear on your, <laughs> on your website. I so, was going to ask you before the interview, should I keep my potty mouth? Because Oh, a, no. Okay. okay no, you know, they've done studies that show that people that are, swear are more trustworthy. uh, Oh, then I am the most trustworthy of them all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because Jessica and I were looking at your website and I'm like, she really swore on her website. I love it. Okay. What you said was, fuck it. I would rather live than die as a pale and unrecognizable version of myself. When you were at the peak of your investment banking career, making a ton of money, the American dream, that everybody's trying to chase. You were living it and you were miserable and left it. I felt like
2: I was playing a role. And I am a terrible actress, so I was not good at that. But I distinctly remember one time I went through a a really tough breakup where I was also playing a role in that relationship. And I started to recognize it, but I could not break that pattern. And so ultimately that relationship needed to end and I needed to do a lot of healing. But I went through this breakup. I couldn't really function. I remember one of my managers sitting me down like, Lana, you just need to get it together. There's such a thing as comfort. Compartmentalize. I can't even say the word compartmentalizing. <laughs> I don't like it so much. I can't even say it. So, uh, Like you need to set your feelings aside and this is how you need to be. And like, I was expected to play a role. There was no emotionality that I was supposed to show. And in my personal life, in many ways, mm. I felt like I was playing a role. I think that's a lot of your, you know, early, mid twenties, you kind of figuring out who you are. So you hang out with different people, you get influenced, right? And you're, so I was definitely in that. But at some point, I just felt like, Who am I? Like, I don't like this person. I don't like hanging out with her. Like, yep. and I have to be stuck with her all day. Like, something is wrong with this equation. And I didn't know how to find the answer to this. I, I really just took a hard U turn. I ended up leaving a bunch of other jobs on the table. So I was already on my way out of banking, but I was going to work for a private equity firm in Marin County. I Ooh, landed just- all these cushy jobs, but yeah. I realized. If I don't do this now, in my mind, and I think women have this kind of biological drive. At that point, I knew I would like to have kids someday. I was in my mid-20s and I'm like, I'm fucked up. Like, I can't have kids. Like, I'm going to fuck them up. And I mean, <laughs> you know, it was it was a real like driver for me. Yeah. And so yeah. I was like, I got to do some healing. So I ended up just moving to Southern California kind of on a whim. I told my parents, I want to learn how to surf. Oh my God. (laughs) That did not go over well. My mom cried and cried, but really I told him, I want to give myself a chance at doing something else that has more meaning and do more healing. So on my drive, literally from Northern California to Southern California, I ended up stopping and doing a 10 day Vipassana meditation retreat, a silent meditation retreat. I
0: saw that.
2: Yeah. All my friends took bets how long I was going to last because nobody thought I could be quiet (laughs) for 10 days. It was one of those formative experiences. Like I, could, I would, had already been doing meditation. I had started practicing yoga in college. My dad used to do it when I was really young, which was extremely rebellious. And like It was actually considered contraband. So my dad did kind of have this like gene of wanting to transcend consciousness. I do feel like I got some of that from him. And then, you know, doing that retreat, I was alone with all my thoughts. Oh, complete silence. What was that like? Yeah. I saw, what was that
0: like? (laughs) Yeah.
2: First day you're like, okay, I'll hang out. There's some food. There's some people. Second day. Okay. This is getting really boring. We're meditating like 20 hours a day. I I'm having nightmares at night because I think just all my psyche is bringing up all the things that it needs to deal with. Right. I actually had a bee sting. There's so many miracles. Okay. Let me back and say something. If I were to tell you about my life and about that experience during the time I was going through it, you would probably get a very different version of it. Because one of the things that I teach in my work, and I've really proven it to myself over and over again, is when you change how you feel, when you change your feeling, vibrational, mental state in the body, you actually change your memories of the past. You also change your future, of course. But so when a healing happens, the reason I got so addicted to it is because it is a complete healing each time. Mm -hmm. So my brother and I, we went on some different trajectories. We actually have different memories of similar, you know, the same situation. He remembers one thing and I remember another. Same experience, we were both there. So my experience of it now obviously is a little skewed, I feel, but in in a way that serves me. So hey, if i want to tell a story about my life, I'm going to tell the best story, right? So I got stung by a bee. It was very traumatic. I've never been stung by a bee. I didn't know if I was going to have an allergic reaction. And looking back, there was such a miracle because I literally, this was like the fourth day. I was just about looking for an excuse to get out and get in my car and drive away. And I'm sitting, I'm like, okay, I don't think God exists. I don't use words like God because I was raised atheist. And at that time it was like none of that. But I just thought, okay, if something's out there and if my mind is that powerful, God damn it, send some help. This little lady appears, I kid you not, and points at the bee sting for me. And I'm like, yes, bee, right? It's (laughs) swelling, and she's like, hold on. She's motioning with her hands. Hold on. Because you're in the silent retreat. I'm in the silent. I'm not supposed to. I think I actually whispered to her because I'm like, "Be," You know? <laughs> and then she comes back with some potion, which I still to this day do not know what it is because it was, she was Asian. So I'm, I'm guessing she was Vietnamese. I could tell by the writing, it looked like Vietnamese. But again, we're not supposed to speak and puts this potion on me and says, like, wait, essentially. With her and hands. And within an hour, that bee sting has gone down. And that was one of those experiences that I realized, you know, there might be something more to the mind and how life responds to my output than I might have been taught. And I've just done a series of experiments. At this point, it's thousands of experiments. And I believe in experimenting because I don't want anyone to take my word for whatever mm-hmm. the truth is. I want them to try it out for themselves. Once you, in my book, purposely, there's no research. I had no notes of research that I've quoted about how powerful gratitude is or this. Cause I'm like, who cares if these researchers said it's powerful for 89% of the people, is it going to work for you? You're only going to know if you
0: try it, try I it, love see it. how it works, right? Yeah. Empirical evidence is we call so- it. T- we call it self-science in our research right. group. We always say, here's what we know. Now here, you go try it, do self-science. And you know, when it comes to like nutrition and detox, like stop following the guru. Just here's here's the information and now find your path with it. And you will need to customize and adapt. So of course,
2: there on like the seventh or eighth day, I can't remember. There was just a breakthrough. I think just my stubbornness kept me there. I did go and talk to teachers and said, should I leave? Because am I having a psychotic break? And they're like, no, you're normal. Like all the other crazy people that come in here. <laughs> and I did have this moment of just lucidity. I think it was on the eighth day. Because I remember there was maybe two days left. And I just thought, wow. I could tear up all over again because just up until that point, I don't think people can understand the survival I went through to get to where I was. I couldn't stop. I couldn't afford to stop. You know what I mean? I couldn't give myself permission. And I literally sat there and I thought, this is what peace feels like. For the first time in my life, I'm like 25 or 26 years old and i experienced peace and to me that was a miracle because i essentially assumed that would never happen i've hardly seen anybody peaceful in my life whatever the hell that meant was not for me up until that moment and then i thought you know i could really be a monk this is nice i could do this and then after you know the 10th day and kind of coming out of it my mission sort of unofficially from that point on became how can i create this more and more in my life while i'm doing things as a Householder, as they call it, with with duties, with children, with partners—you know—it's easy to be a monk on a mountaintop, feeling all blissful. And if you've had twenty years of practice of that, if you come down and you start hanging out with your family, you have had no practice of dealing with that. <laughs> all that peace is just going to go out the window. I don't want conditional
0: peace. I want you're your like life. the household monk, <laughs> the household, monk. <laughs> the mommy monk. <laughs> How's your monkness working now? I'm a monk. I am
2: no monk, let me tell you. <laughs> but you know, it's it's moments like that that I feel if you had a moment where you just felt oneness and you couldn't quite explain it. And looking back, it used to happen to me earlier on. I used to dance ballroom when I was really young. And I remember when I would be dancing and performing, there was just like I would blend with the music like all time would stop and my body would move and there were lights and there were people and but there was this oneness and so I realized there's something to this and essentially I've spent all the time since figuring out what was that how can I create it again okay. and I became a sort of a de facto or a default teacher of it I didn't mean to really I think I'm a natural born like Passionate sayer of what works. And so eventually people just started asking, well, how did you do this? And then how did you do that? So uh, the story after the retreat is that I started working for a company and I got like a third of my investment banking salary. So that part sucked. (laughs) But I did get a real taste of coaching. It was called Inside Track, and they were doing success coaching for university students. I had a roster of 75 students a week that I needed to keep track of and meet. And they were doing all of this training, essentially of life coaching. Hmm. When I did that, I really fell in love with it. I saw the power of creating that kind of support. It was different than anything I've done before. And I was like, man, I wish I had that. But then what started happening is a lot of the kids students, I mean, I was a kid myself, started opening up to me about really deep things that I didn't know how to Mm. handle. So I left that and I thought, this is too much. This is too heavy. I'm going to go teach yoga. I went to Mexico, ended up living in Mexico, teaching yoga, and then doing that as a business and a career, then personal training, making no money, feeling really burnt out. Eventually my my kind of bottom line was the mind is where everything begins and it's where the biggest impact is made. I want to learn how to truly support people because even during personal training, people would open up to me about all of their trauma and I had no real tools or capacity to handle. So I ended up going to grad school for transpersonal psychology and adding that piece, law of attraction, all of it has been blending and percolating and incubating. So now I do this like blend of... You know, law of attraction or mindset coaching with somatic elements in it, a lot of the yogic philosophy and background, and a lot of like good old Russian survival kick in the butt. Oh my gosh,
0: (laughs) I love it. Oh my God, I love it. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you gotta do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. And, you know, I think that if most of us look back over our lives, you know, you sort of see this sequence of situations that happen that brought you to this moment that you are loving. Let's say if you're in a place you're loving, like I heard a quote one time that somebody said that be careful when you compare yourself to other people because you might be comparing your low moments to their highlight reel. And you don't realize that you know it's all a journey, and that you're just each journey is expanding your experience with life, and you get to choose how how big it takes you. So I love as as I'm listening to that, I'm like, yeah, it was all lined up perfectly for you. Well, truly, somebody else's dream may not be your dream.
2: One of my things that I say all the time to my uh, coaching participants, and sometimes they're like, okay, stop saying that. Like you're aiming with all your might. I see it, but at the wrong target. Yep. Let's get you on the right target, right? It's all the people I imagine in your world that are doing all these diets and doing all these things. And they're like, why isn't it working? It's not for lack of willpower, intention, yep. desire. It's just that they are chasing somebody else's dreams, somebody else's formula, somebody else's things that may not work for them.
0: Yep. And, 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 and it is important to find what your target is. That's oh my awesome. gosh. a huge I, chunk of it, right? Uh, like... I say that all the time and I see it in couples because a lot of couples will come into our metabolic reset and the husband will drop weight like right away and the, and the wife will be like, why am I not losing any weight? And it's like, and people do that with friends and it's everybody's body type, everybody's path is completely different. And we have a funny story to tell you about. Jess, if you're there, you got to pop in and tell the story about a guy that went a hundred days on a silent retreat and he came back. That's what was the story again? Yeah, I don't know all the details, but he was
1: in a different country, decided to go on a 100-day silent retreat. So it's like a group of people, they go in the middle of the forest somewhere with only food. It's 100 days, and he came back in the midst of the pandemic. And he said when he came back, he didn't... Well, A, he wanted to go back. (laughs) B, he didn't recognize the country he was in and see, his girlfriend was still in the, in the retreat. She had like another 20 days. And he's like, oh, I wish I could somehow get to her to just stay in the retreat. Like it's better just stay
2: there than come back to this, see, that, this that we're dealing with. Perfect example. Because so many people hold on to like, I wish I had the metabolism that I had in my 20s, for example. I wish, I'm like, you are spending all of that energy instead of creating something that is truly unconditional. Meaning? COVID is happening. Given this ground, how am I going to make it fertile to grow the things that matter to me? Right. Yep. You know, Mindy, you and I've talked a lot about pivoting our businesses, our lives. Honestly, COVID happened. It did shake me up. I mean, I have three kids, right? We're all on yep. top of each other. I work from home, school stopped, like a lot of things happened. Yep. And there was some time that I needed to use all the tools that I have at my disposal to really, I call it stop, drop, realign. So stop, like meaning pause for a second, be like, this isn't working. Something is off. Drop. You have to start dropping pieces that are resistant. And for a lot of people, that's such a hard piece, right? Because they're not willing to let go of needing to please someone else or have all of these responsibilities. Something's got to go if you're going to attend to your true priorities. And then the realignment piece is really a reimagining from the new place where you are. And I look back, COVID has served me in so many ways. Me we ended too. up upgrading our, our house, right? We moved into our dream home. We were already in an amazing place right on the ocean here in, in Puerto Rico. We ended up upgrading my business in so many ways, like pivoting, and it can all serve you, right? Yep. All of it, like really, Napoleon Hill has this quote that every adversity, has within it the seed of opportunity. Mm, So there's the seed, water it. Water those seeds of opportunities. And as a matter of fact, I do feel like the more pain, one of my slogans is turn pain into gain. The more pain you have, the more there's momentum. There's like a need to shift. If you channel in the right direction, boom, you're going to become unstoppable, right? So being able to create a, a, a mindset that anything could be happening around you. If you if you really did achieve some sort of peace during that 100 days, come into this world and be like, I'm going to now retain this peace in the yep. midst of all. This is the next level of my
0: practice. Otherwise, how good is it? Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, and uh, yeah, I have so many thoughts on that. And I feel like that you and I have talked about this, the pandemic for me, has been like, there were so many things in the back, my back pocket that I was like, I'd like to do that someday. I'd like to do this someday. And all of a sudden the pandemic hit. And before I knew it, all these like little dreams, some of them were small dreams, some of them were big dreams. It was like, it forced me to look at what wasn't working in my life. And then really look at those things that I kept saying someday, someday. And then boom, all of a sudden someday was now. And I remember I heard early on in the pandemic, somebody said, I can't wait to see who I will be at the end of this pandemic. And I use that as a mantra in my mind. And I love it because now here we are, what, four months into the pandemic. And I'm like, wow, what a difference that my life, has, the, the turn my life made by just being open to what was going to show up for me in this process.
2: Right. One of the exercises I have in the book is called the future you exercise. And there's a a couple of ways to do it. But one of them is essentially what you just described. Who do I want to be at the end of this or in three months or in six months? Or who do I want to be when I'm already in my dream job or running my successful business or a parent or whatever it is? Because a lot of people think this is so typical with first Time moms who are like they're just so hyper focused on the birth and getting the birth right, and the irony of it is like, are you prepared for the rest of the, for time? the aftermath? <laughs> oh
0: my god, that was so me. That was so me. That was me. That was me. The first time I tried to go to the bathroom after my daughter was born, and I'm like, whoa, nobody told me. If this was going to be a whole, I hadn't focused on that.
2: But our society does this. And so we just need to acknowledge, we hyper-focus on like eight pack abs, for example, not, is that person having regular bowel movements, for example, yeah. like sleep right. well and feeling so good you know, true. Or, or hyper-focusing on like, I got to, I don't know, this much money or this much, you know, I got a Grammy. I got whatever success you think it's like, yeah, but do you kill yourself to get there. Do you want to have that level of sacrifice or do you want to enjoy the journey? Do you want to actually like grow into the person? You know, all these manifestations ultimately, which is why I joke about miracles and manifesting to me, those, those terms do seem a little cheesy and woo woo, but I like to rename them and reappropriate them essentially in a way that I feel like is the way that it really works, which Mm -hmm. is you are always creating something you might as well create what you actually like. You're always expanding energy. You're always thinking thoughts. Why not learn how to think thoughts that serve you, that leverage a lot of the world around you for your benefit? You're already going to be awake this many hours in the day. You're
0: already going to be doing whatever you're doing. Why not make it better? I love that. I love that. Okay. So let's go there. So walk us through, and you've done this with me a couple of times when I've like, Hey, I want to manifest this miracle. And you're like, do this, do this, do this. And I'm a stepper. I like the steps. I'm like, give me the, give me the steps and I can do the steps. So people listening to this, they have a miracle that just seems so far out. Help walk us through some of the steps that you would recommend. And I will say this, you guys all have to get her book because it's incredible. And there is a formula per se that I've learned that you have figured out. So walk me through the steps of what can I do to get into that vibration of manifesting a miracle? Yeah. I mean, it's
2: a loaded question. So I feel like less than a formula, I feel like it is a system and you need to know how to use the system. But there's only a couple of things that are necessary for manifestation. The desire has to be big enough and clear enough. So there's a lot of momentum. It can be like a large magnet that coalesces all of the elements. And the resistance has to be small enough. So you can't be fighting within yourself, wanting it with one hand, pushing it away with the other. You know, and and having these doubts and fears and questions and all that. Now, for most people, obviously, if they are already saying, "I want a miracle" or "I want something that feels so impossible," they have a lot of resistance. They don't believe it's possible. That's that, that we're starting with that assumption, right? So. The the process that I walk people through in the book is fairly simple. You start off with identifying why you want what you want. Now, it sounds very simple. And most people say, well, I want to feel more free. I want to feel more loved. I want to feel better in my body. And I start to ask them to drill down. And one of the exercises in the book is to get to your core desired feelings. And there's a series of actually exercises to get to them. And one of the exercises is a formative life experiences exercise, which people that do it themselves in the book will frequently write to me and say, hey, and, I'll, and I'll, then I'll say like, you might want to join my program to do this together because it is a really deep exercise. You write down three of your two or three of your most amazing life experiences. So some sort of personal accomplishment or some time when you just felt absolutely powerful, victorious, amazing, loved, like on fire, right? Full out. And then identify what were some of the... I already did that essentially. I already told you the answer because I do this so automatically. How did you feel during those experiences? Those are your core desired experiences in those moments. And then you go into your most challenging experiences. Now, if you do this well, It'll be really emotional and really difficult because for most Mm. people, that would be some level of abuse, some level of trauma, some level of, and by trauma, I mean like anything that was traumatic to them, right? A parent dying when they were young, hearing, uh, you know, or seeing something really challenging happen that has kind of scarred them or formed them, formed their patterns essentially in some way. But from those experiences, they're gonna also identify what were the feelings they were experiencing. And a lot of times it's like, fear, unworthiness, you know, some sort of I didn't feel understood, you know, I felt invisible or not valued or whatever it is. And then the opposite of that emotion is what they actually truly want. So for a lot of people, they think they want that job, they want that partner, they want that thing, but when they get down to it, they they really want to feel Truly seen, for example, for most people, that's a huge thing. A lot of their trauma could be around the fact that they were not seen, that they were not valued, that they were discarded in some way by people and situations and experiences in their life. And so, when they can have a desire that they know they want that has those feelings underlying that desire, that's what I mean by aiming at the right target. So, if you say, I want that job because that job is when I feel most alive. It makes me feel like I'm on purpose, like I am seen, like I am valued, like I am blah, 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 whatever it may be. Right. Right. So that it is not this like sort of manifestation light, as I call it, they just want it so that it resolves their resistance. No manifestation is going to resolve your resistance. And you and I have talked about this. Like you Beautifully can grow, said. You can grow your, your business. You can get your dream job. You can be married to a partner. If you can have the kids. That does not guarantee happiness. Nope. Nope. Been there. I've Tried it. it. Right? <laughs> yep. Right. So, so you need to find what is really underlying. Then you have to start feeling those feelings now, today, So let's say my goal is to have my dream partner and I had a series of uncomfortable, painful, unsatisfying, abusive relationships, right? So I'm like, it's a miracle. I've never seen a good relationship. I've never had it. I mean, I kind of grew up like that. My parents got divorced. I didn't, I'm seeing a good relationship. I thought, how the hell am I going to step into the vision of it? I don't, I can't even get an idea. The Hollywood version of it really doesn't seem right. And I don't have an, an experiential view of it. So I identified some of the core desired feelings that I wanted to feel when I was with a partner. That's another thing. Identify how you want to feel, not how you want other people to feel. And external things that you want to prove to somebody, oh, I did it so that I can prove you're wrong. That's not a lot of manifesting energy. That's not a lot of fuel towards whatever you want. So once you identify, I wanted to feel really welcomed in my bigness. I have a very big personality. I'm really intense. I heard messages loud and clear from my early life that I'm not very lovable because I am very stubborn. I am very... I heard a lot of that. So, and I thought, I just want somebody who is so kind. Like, kind can come to... Me. So in their presence, I feel like I can be kinder. And I, I feel that
0: kindness all around me. And that well, was You start of... with kindness. You are like, I'm going to... Start... If I want kindness, I'm going to be kind. That was the, the clarity that I came to. I was like, well, I'm not very kind to myself at all. Oh, we got to figure this out, Lana. Like, what are we
2: going to, you know, that was the realization for me is I want something from someone else that I am not at all giving to myself. So essentially my capacity to receive it is blocked. There, there are partners that are kind, but my door is locked. I cannot Brilliant. let it. So yeah. I had to start with myself. There was all the healing journey that I took, all the things I did. And really, when I met my husband, one of the things that stood out to me so clearly is I felt like, wow, he feels like that faceless, nameless partner in my vision. I just felt this softness and this like tenderness and a kindness, like a welcome. I felt like a familiar feeling. Yes. Because you'd so, been feeling it prior to him I had arriving. been feeling it. Yep. That's why it's so satisfying because yep. i had been feeling it throughout the journey, right? And then obviously you keep refining all of this. And I always say, you think you want the manifestation, but really, again, just like a birth or a partner, you don't want that instance. You want the fulfillment and enjoyment out of it. So as soon as I met my partner, then I began envisioning what would it be like to have a family together, to have all these experiences of, you know, growing life together, co-creating together. So the visioning and the manifesting never stops. And one of the, I guess, mistakes that people make is that they think they're going to get it and be happy. They think it's like a static stationary thing. And if you see that with weight loss all all the time, all the time, time. Like if I just lose the weight, I'm like, then what? Right. Okay, great. You lost the weight. that that, you're still the same person. You're just a couple of pounds lighter. And and as a matter of fact, a lot of times it triggers some sort of a re-traumatization for a lot of people. Especially I have a whole thing on weight, right? Weight is protection. I was just going to say, there's a lot of reasons people become... weight, fat weight, water weight all of it is protection. So one of the exercises that we do in my program is we actually, for people who have a lot of resistance around their body, one of the, the mindset tricks is we take whatever part that has been paining them, that has been uncomfortable, if it's weight, or let's say you've had back problems or whatever, you start communicating with that part of your body. You develop a two-way communication. Mm, so they'll actually start talking to their fat. They'll start talking mm. to their pain. They'll start talking to their, yes. I don't know, wherever, kidney stones, whatever they got going yep. on, right? And identifying, hey, why are you here? Like, I if you are a messenger and if I take on them, what what are you here? And 90% of the time, 99% of the time, they will hear a message loud and clear. Like, I'm here to help you slow down. You're way on the wrong track. Like, where are you going, right? Yep. And for weight specifically, it's a protection because I'm here to keep you safe. Yep from the world because the world has felt unsafe. And so we have this whole experience of actually being grateful for the weight that we have. So one of the things that I say in the book is to get what you want, you've got to want what you've got. To get what you want, you've got to want what you've got. So these people that want the body, that want the health, but they do not want what they've got. That is the key that unlocks the future you want. You have to want what you've got. So you have to find a way
0: to appreciate whatever parts of this that can serve you. I love that. You know, I one of the things I do with my resetters is I break down what fat is and that fat is actually saving your life. Because your body is storing toxins and fat, so if you could look and I tell them, uh, you know, look in the mirror and look at the fat and thank it, because Brilliant. if it didn't create the fat, it would put it on the organs and you and you would be have worse problems than you think you have right now. So I'm going to add that in. That's Brilliant. that's amazing. You know, it's a great pattern interrupter, right? Especially oh yeah, fat yeah. is not a feeling. I did a
2: whole video series on fat is not a feeling, right? We can't nope. no fat. Yeah, you are putting your focus on it, but really you're just you know taking attention away from the fact that you feel sad yeah. or really angry or depressed or whatever it is, right? Grieving yeah. or whatever. So the fact that fat is not a feeling and, and yet you can really find meaning interrupting the pattern of looking at something and absolutely coloring it bad. If yeah. you can color it good, you can derive, you can receive the good from it. If you color it bad, no matter what it is, you cannot receive any good from it. You've already created a self-fulfilling prophecy that this has to harm me. If you say, what if this isn't here
0: to harm me? What if this is here to protect me? It opens a whole new set of possibilities. Let go of the resistance. The resistance. And then you can... Yeah, the resistance is key. Right. And then what you do is you create... Other ways, slowly,
2: like you keep using that crutch until you can stand on your own two feet, meaning develop other ways of feeling safe, develop other ways of soothing yourself or creating more energy or whatever it is that you've been doing. Until When you develop those other ways, you won't need all of those defense mechanisms that you've developed. They will naturally start falling away. That's where it starts to feel easy. You're like, oh, oh I'm not struggling. That. I'm not sacrificing myself because you have built up the foundation for getting those needs met in a
0: healthier way, in a way, way, way that actually is a win-win, oh, not a win-lose. I love it. What do you think the biggest miracle is that you, you personally ever manifested? I mean, it has to be the birth of my twins because there was just so many
2: series of incredible, like just impossibility. So I got pregnant with twins. We, we got engaged. I was in grad school. We got engaged. I got pregnant like a month later and then That's found exciting. out it was twins. It was like a runaway train. I really didn't think much about like how I would want to have kids until I was essentially put in a medicalized model Because it was twins, and they were essentially telling me it's going to be a C section. This, and the more I researched, I was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, I am healthy, all is well. Why are you gonna cut these babies out for no good reason? So Long story, we moved and manifested this incredible midwife, which was a miracle because I called like every midwife in Southern California. I couldn't find anyone to take me. We finally found a non unlicensed midwife, a lay midwife as they're called, who's delivered like over six hundred babies. she had been delivering since the seventies. Was more experienced. Oh, than that's who you. That's the midwife you want. That is the midwife one, and we found her, which was incredible. And then there were like boom, boom, boom miracles. Like I would have had a C-section 10 times during that whole progress. So first my labor started and then stalled. It had to do with my mom coming down kind of unexpectedly and all of my energetics shifted and I had to essentially separate myself from my mom to restart my labor, which was kind of a an experience, a healing experience within itself. Then I had uh, 21 active laborers, 21 hours of active labor with my first. I knew he was breached. That was another reason that I should have had a C-section. But by the time that he was coming out, it had been three and a half days since my water broke. So all that time I was laboring off and on. My midwife let me. High doses of vitamin C, echinacea, all of the support. She knew a lot of holistic things. She would pray over me, which was still weird for me, but bless her like for doing that. And my son was born... Yeah, so actually four days after my water broke. And he came out, breech, balls first, actually. She said, reach down and feel your son's balls. <laughs> I call him a ballsy guy. So he's born. And then my daughter, we expect her to come out any minute, any minute. And my labor, I'm, I'm having contractions. I am dilated and she's not coming. Long story short, she ended up turning transverse. I end up getting connected to this psychic in Germany, who's also a therapist, the craziest story. She did some of these like kind of almost a meditative, I don't even know how to explain, like in a trance. And we ended up moving my placenta out of the way. My daughter got engaged. And finally, I gave birth to her 33 hours later. You can read the full story. On my blog, but this is all of it was unusual. There, were, oh, and my friend flew in to take care of the firstborn right ten minutes after he was born, wow. and was such a miracle too. Because who would be taking care of him while my husband and I are essentially laboring with yes. the middle? Like everything all lined of up. Series of unbelievable things happened, and I tell you what I did from what I shared earlier. I kept focusing. I don't care if I birth in a hospital or at home. I wasn't getting attached to the specific. Ah. I said, I want a sacred, safe, welcoming birth. That was everything I focused on. I want to feel supported. I want to feel safe. I want to feel like there's, there's a connection between all of the people in the room. And so that is what created the birth experience for me. And I did have to work through a lot of fears and a lot of challenges throughout that experience. But in the end, it's, it's kind of been my model that miracles really are possible. We are far more capable than we possibly realize until there's a need. And for me, it was literally a need like birth or death of my kids was the biggest need I've right? had. Yeah. That power of thought, that power of focus and the power of desire that we have yep. is unlimited. And I want to keep
0: discovering. I haven't, I haven't found a ceiling to it yet. <laughs> yeah, amazing. What do you think is the biggest miracle one of your clients has had? Oh my God. There's so
2: many. I mean, you got to narrow it down. Like, are we talking about like career, financial, health, like relationships? I, I don't know. I'm like, there's, I,
0: I my book is full of, I don't but surely it. there's like the one that like sticks in your head. You can do it on health since we talk a lot about health here. But I think that there's always, you know, as you work with people, there's like those, those people that you work with that you're like, Like, not only was the miracle amazing, but the the person was so ready for the miracle, it changed their life. Okay, I'll give you a couple because I really can't narrow it down.
2: One was somebody came into my program and she had received, I think it was stage two cancer diagnosis. And she was supposed to come back. It was under watch. It wasn't anything that they were going to do about. And she literally signed up for this one. She's like, what do I have to lose? I need a freaking miracle. And I think she had three months till her next checkup. Long story short, when she went back, they couldn't find any evidence
0: Wow. Wow.
2: That is obviously that's, an exception. That's like, like Joe Dispenza's work. Right. And so the doctor was like, well, Joe Dispenza's work and I are very similar. Yeah. We, we do a lot of similar things. Yeah. So the doctor was like, we must have made a mistake the first time. Like, the doctor couldn't admit that this could happen, that the body had the capacity to regenerate and heal in this way, right? And one of the things that we had worked on with her is who cared, because she was like, the doctors, but this, but this, but other people say, but the experts, right? We worked on, it, it. you know, Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks has a saying, and Michael Beckwith uses it as well, that one with God is more powerful than millions without, You know, and Maya Angelou has this great quote that I that I love. I come as one, and I stand as ten thousand. And if we could all come as one and stand as ten thousand, like imagine the power we'd have. But another, there's some miracles that are personally very meaningful to me, and it has to do when people come to me, and let's say they're at the brink of divorce, and there has been either infidelity or a lot of just pain that had you know, layered in so many ways that they just cannot seem to find the way out. They've done counseling and therapy. They've done a lot of things. And they're like, listen, I'm leaving my husband. I just want to work on myself. And what ends up happening is that you, you rebirth yourself. You create a whole new you through doing this work. All of a sudden, you put, become totally irresistible to your partner because you no longer need them to do anything for you. You no longer have this resistance and, like, you have to be this way. This has to be done. You're doing the healing on your own. You just want to have a good time with your partner at that point. You want a vision. You want to get. So, for me, I had a couple or a woman that came in. I never actually met her husband. But he ended up writing me a letter afterwards saying, Thank you so much. Like all of the money that I spent on your work and all that or we spent, like I was critical, I was hesitant. I knew she w- you know, was already ready to divorce me. Like this work changed so much for us. It saved our marriage. And every year, well, I see her on social media and they do a picture with their kids. It's it's now been oh. a complete. And I just see those kids, not that divorce is the worst thing or anything like that. It's just that miracle that they were able to each take responsibility for their own healing and create a relationship. Like she raves about the amazing, like, like, passionate, joyful companionship that they have. The kids get to grow up
0: seeing this as their norm. That That just for me that there could be no greater joy. Yeah, that's incredible. I love that. Okay, let's finish up with this question. So and I think I already know the answer to it. But if you had one thought that you could implant into everybody's brain, and they would never forget it, you could you could shout it from the rooftop. You just want to get it into people's brain. What would that message or thought be? I am infinitely powerful. I mean,
2: that's what it comes down to me. I I am infinitely powerful. And using the I am statement as a real one of the exercises I used to do in my workshops is just to have people say their name. You know, mm-hmm. and so most people will be like, I'm Lana. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? lana lana schlafer or they'll ask it as a question i'm lana schlafer and i'm like are you asking a question stating say it say it i am lana i am powerful i am worthy i am deserving i am magnificent i am talented i am abundant i am brilliant i am loving and i am loved you know what i mean claim it for yourself whatever you claim you get to
0: keep Oh, love it. I, another mic drop. Okay, how do people find you? Uh, you guys got to check out her book. It's on Amazon or is there a link? Maybe you give us a link and we'll... Have I'm going people- to give you a link, a special link for Mindy
2: Watchers. Uh, thank for you. Setters. So it's lanishlafer.com forward slash Mindy. Great, thank and you. We'll put that somewhere right in the link. And uh, yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's a special link for you guys, so you can come and get the book for free, and you can also buy it on Amazon if you want. But we do have it as a PDF, and you can get to know me and a little bit about my work and get involved. I have a similar membership like Mindy. We do these monthly Miracle Jam calls where I, I love do- it. The Miracle Jam is the
0: Miracle so Jam. Great. We jam on such a great name! Right? I know. Who doesn't want I to be a I part of a Miracle Jam? Vibe. I would get like a reggae band behind yeah, you should
2: jam like, it. When COVID lifts up, I am, and yeah, I am. We are so doing it. Yeah, Um, yeah. You can learn more. I mean, I'm everywhere: Instagram, YouTube,
0: you know, Facebook, you name it. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, I've had many conversations with you, but this one might be my favorite.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This was awesome. You know, we we speak so often that we approach like the process of really doing the impossible just from our own respective fields, right? Because so many people come to you and they think that what they want is miraculous. As a matter of fact, they sometimes don't even allow themselves to want it. They think it's so impossible. And you do this in the realm of the body. And I seek to help people really understand how to do it in their realm of their mind so they can apply to any area of their life. And honestly, health is a mindset game like 80% of the way. 20% are like behaviors, tactics, but to be able to receive the value of those behaviors and tactics you actually need to have the right mindset. So I love this conversation. I love you. I love you.
0: I love you. Absolutely. So thank you. I know you've got a party to rush off to or you're like dancing there in Puerto Rico. Your pictures of your home look amazing.
2: I'm just so excited because I haven't been to parties in a very long time. This is a very special birthday party. So I'm very excited. I would love to hear from, from the listeners like what jumps out about this conversation Tag me in social media. I'm very active, like Mindy. I love to actually address your questions and respond. So
0: please find me and I can't wait to connect. Yeah. And we unite in that, that understanding. Like you're like infinitely powerful. And I feel the same thing about the body. Like there is so much power that we can tap into and we're never taught about. So we are miracle makers. Yeah. Like we are born miracle makers. Yeah. I always tell
2: people. You just need to remember because you did it. Yep. it like, we fall asleep. You yep. just need
0: to remember. You already got this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or go hang out with a kid for a little while right. and watch how they just embrace life and remember that that is the way you used to embrace it until you fell asleep. So. Why do you think I have three? <laughs> right. No, it's great. for teachers. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think I gonna have more kids to be able to get the miracles, so... Maybe I'll join your course. That might be the there next There you step. go. Good so. solution. <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome. And Resetters, go check her out. And like she said, tag her in the posts. And really, this was an incredible conversation. So thank you and go dance your little heart out. Thank you. It. Bye. Nothing that I love to talk about more than wine. So I got to tell you about Dry Farm Wines, which is my absolute favorite place to get wine from for many different reasons. One, they're keto friendly. You didn't hear that wrong. They're literally keto friendly. They have no added sugars, no added toxins, and they will leave you feeling amazing the next morning. So go check out their website. That Not only is the wine incredible, but the people behind the wine are amazing. You guys know how I love people who are on a mission to serve the world. Well, Todd White and his crew are on a mission to help people drink healthy wines and enjoy the whole experience. So they taste amazing. And if you go to dryfarmwines.com, backslash Dr. Mindy Pells. They will actually send you a bottle for a penny. So, give it a try. Let me know what you think and cheers to an incredible wine experience. Okay. My mind on many things is blown from that conversation. She was talking so fast. I was like, I wanted to take notes. I think this is an episode I'm going to go back and take notes on because her process of manifesting miracles it's like, I realized as she was talking, I'm like, oh, I used to do that. Yeah. The things I've manifested in my life, that's exactly how I did it. And it was really insightful. And I love that she's like, you know, stepped it out, which is mm-hmm. the way I love to receive information. Yeah. I, I feel like she'll be a guest that
1: we bring back a couple times because we had so many questions that we didn't even get to. And I didn't oh, yeah. even care because her process of what she was going down was so amazing. I
0: agreed, and the one that I remembered the most—that I, I realized—you know—I think it's—I think it's so interesting because the world tells you that hard work and intellect mm-hmm. is how you, and educ—you know, maybe getting an education or knowing the right people is how you succeed in this world. Mm-hmm. But when I step into the world of miracle workers and some of them she commented or pointed out, I realized that it's all vibration. And part of the thing that blocks your vibration is your resistance. And I have seen this, let's just say it in the health world, that it's like you want to get healthy but you have resistance to either following a diet or the fast you're going to go on. And that resistance is what keeps holding you back. You have to be, especially in health, I see this, I feel like you got to be all in. Like find your path that feels good and then you got to be all in. And you got to have your eye on the prize. But if resistance shows up and you and you talk about the resistance, you hold on to the resistance, you let the limiting beliefs, you'll never get there. Mm-hmm. Did you catch that? Uh, Well, I have about a million
1: thoughts on all these subjects right now, but I feel to your point of what you're just saying, I think people also have to embrace the uncertainty of what Mm. that future person looks like. Because it's so easy to already know your own story of like, sure, I'm going to try carnivore this week, but I know I'm not going to lose the 20 pounds. Nothing ever works. I've tried every diet. Nothing ever works. But again, you're just, A, you're telling that story over and over again but B, I think they're not picturing something bigger and better and embracing the uncertainty of what that, that could look like.
0: Right. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And actually that ties into our experience with the pandemic because I feel like so many of the things, like this podcast is a great example we wanted to start this podcast and we knew it would be a lot of work. And we were trying to figure out where it would fit into our schedule. And I love having these deep, meaningful conversations with people. And it was just like, I don't have time, the limiting belief. I don't have time. I know you said the same thing. Right. I don't have time. But I, in my wildest dreams, did I, the, I never thought a pandemic would show up to give me more time to be able to do a project like this that I love and continue to be really enjoying right
1: well I think like for me too right it's again you're stepping into uncertainty, so right now, before we started this podcast, I was very certain about all the tasks I needed to do, and this has unleashed a whole set of tasks that I never knew I would need to learn how to use Adobe and all these all the uncertainty, but when you embrace it, like something so beautiful comes out of it, yeah but we're not really trained to to like we're trained to check the boxes of life mm-hmm. right and we're trained to i f- i feel like we're somewhat trained to figure out what the expectation is of us from an outside perspective like what the world expects from us and so mm-hmm. we drive our attention that way rather than defining what success means for each one of us individually
0: and chasing that Ah, I, so well said. I always say that one of the most pivotal moments in my life was in my early 30s after my da- my first child was born, my daughter was born. It was like I had this moment where I was sitting there and I was thinking, okay, I did everything that life w- told me to do. And at the time I thought, it, I, I was like, I did everything my parents told me to do graduate, you know, get an educate, get a college education, get a job. And then I went to graduate school because education was like, or such an important part of our family. And then I got married. Then I got a job. I had a career. I bought a house and I literally had a white picket fence and a newborn. And I remember sitting, looking out my window and thinking, I've checked all the boxes, but there was a feeling inside of me of just, I'm still not happy. There's still something missing. And I remember going to my mom and saying, you told me to do this path Mm -hmm. and I'm, I did it. I did it. Like, do I, what do I get now? What do I do now? And I remember my parents, both my parents laughing and they're like, we didn't tell you to do that. Right. 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 You just decided that was your path. And it was like the moment they told me that I could be free to go, okay, now what do I want to do? What kind of life do I want to create? And that's when I started to understand the uh, the ideas behind manifestation and like, okay, so now I'm in my early thirties and I've done everything that I thought everybody else told me I should do. Now I get to recreate my life in my early thirties. Right. It's so cool. And it's just, I think
1: something that I wish that we were taught at a younger age. I still even find myself to this day, knowing all these brilliant things that we've been taught, like I'll find myself like, I, you know, it's probably time to have kids like, but there's like something in me that's, but I don't really want kids right now. I got all these things, but the checklist tells me that I'm at the age where kids should start to be happening. Right. It's so it's. Differentiating that perspective of life, and embracing whatever whatever success, whatever you're tr- that feeling of peace that she talked about. I was trying to think about all the moments that I've I've felt like that sense of wholeness and peace. Mm-hmm. It's not very yeah. many moments I've felt it, but they've been there. And how do I create more of
0: that? Yeah, I for starters we can't let your mother listen to this podcast cuz she, she's <laughs> she's waiting for grandbabies. So I know. Well, I think my whole family is. You are too. What are you talking about? I know. About? I know. I'm waiting for your baby to come too. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I love what you're saying. Like I I've learned that there's an internal guidance system inside of me. And when I had that moment where I had done everything that I thought my parents had told me to do, And like when they reflected back to me that they didn't tell me to do that, I started to learn about this internal guidance within me. And it's like a gut feeling. And it's taken me 20 years to really, really hone in on it. And it's like when it shows up, it's like either a hell yes or if it's not a hell yes, then it's a hell no. And I've learned that when that feeling shows up and I get excited when I'm about to embark on something, that that is, I got to run with that energy. But if I catch myself with my stomach in knots and like, oh, should I do that? Should I not do that? I'm really, I don't know. That's usually when I've got to sit back and pause because it may not be the right path for me. Right. I think too, and not letting like, okay, here's a great
1: question. Like, What is one thing in your personal life that you want to manifest? In my personal life. Well, like when she asked that, like, where when you talked about, like, give me one situation of something you want to manifest, I was like, oh, we should do, we should do a whole like workshop right now on the
0: podcast.
1: Yeah. What's yours?
0: Well, this is going to, you know me well, but this, and people listening to this are going to be like, that's crazy. I want to learn how to love going on vacation. I want to embrace vacation. I want to dream about vacation. I have so much guilt because we have so many people that depend upon us, and I have so much guilt when I go on vacation. And I really want to embrace loving that and making it a priority. Mm, I love what about that? you. I was thinking like something that I want to man-
1: manifest is a home in Italy. Like it's it's just like ah, always I want you sitting to there, right? That too. <laughs> But as I'm sitting here, as I was thinking when she was talking, I'm like, okay, what do I want to manifest? I want to manifest a house in Italy. I feel, I felt like that's one of the times I can clearly say that I felt like whole, like just this sense of peace. I love it. And I will say that here's like where the exercise of manifestation comes in because then I start to think, well, what will my family think? Oh, she's snickety, has a house in Italy. Like oh, that must be so Like. Voices of opinion start to infiltrate. And then I start to question whether that's something I want to manifest or not. But I think that's part of what she was talking about today is like just being so clear on what your intention is for your life, what success means to you, what you want to manifest, not allowing this outer external voices or opinions to to come into play. Because you only have one life to live. So you might as well do it for you.
0: Right. And those are other people's voices, which is, which is my issue with vacation is that like, I have this sense of like responsibility to our patients. And like, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm always there for people. And I'm like, but why? I mean, when, you know, whenever I go on vacation, people are like, Oh, I'm so happy you're going on vacation. I just had it this morning where several of our patients were like, I'm so happy you're going on vacation. You deserve it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I should, I should take that mindset. If you're not, there for you
1: to have a break then how do you effectively be there for other people to have you know it's like you gotta like that self-love and I think the awareness to fully embrace who you are as a person and embrace whatever it is that you're wanting whether it's a vacation or a house in Italy or a new job or the perfect weight loss weight loss yep like you have to embrace it for you and you have to like step in to what she was saying. You have to step into what that is going to feel like.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can talk was, about mindset all day long. I, I, love, l- I love mindset. I, lo- I love mindset. And you guys, uh, let us know what you resonated with. Let us know what miracles you're working on there is something powerful about that collective energy of of talking about the miracle getting in it and actually I'll tell this story I forgot to tell her this that we have a connection to Joe Dispenza I I have like one person away from Joe Dispenza and I really want to pick this man's brain so if anybody's out there listening and they know Joe let them know it. I really want to and so I I I sent her a vox and I was like okay Lana Tell me what I need to do to manifest Joe Dispenza. And she told me, here's what you're going to do. You have to feel like he is already on your schedule. In fact, we might want to even just put him on the schedule. I love it. And you have to feel like it's already happened. It's already done. She goes, I would even tell you to send me a Vox back with your excitement about how you've already booked Joe Dispenza, what's going to happen when he comes on, how are you going to, you know, what kind of questions, like go ahead and start celebrating now and get into that energy and it will show up. We're doing it. We're We're going to do it after this. (laughs) (laughs) Totally doing it. So it was awesome. So Resetters, let us know because we really enjoyed that conversation and check out our book, awesome book, and just A Woman on a Mission, which are the ones that we love so hope you guys loved that interview as much as we did.
2: You put the whole foods in. You take all empty foods out. You put organic food in. And you shake bad toxins out. You eat ketobiotic and your microbiome shouts. That's what it's all about. You put fast cycling in. You take overeating out. You put the good fats in trying seven fast types out. You download Carp Manager where your food is all crafted out. That's what it's all about. That's what resetting is all about.